0: Welcome to Adapt Now, a conversation about the pressing issues in public private partnerships. I'm Tanya Ellen, and myself and David Dodd will be chatting with a range of global experts to bring you the latest insights and advice in PPPs. This podcast series is supported by the International Sustainable Resilience Centre. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited about today's topic. I mean, we're going to talk about women in uh, climate change and sustainability and resilience. And, um, you know, it's an important topic. You know, you're all about resilience and we talk about resilient communities. And there's been a lot of data that's shown when women are sitting making those decisions at the decision table, that communities actually get more resilient.
1: That's not surprising to me. Because just like our friendship, you make all the decisions I make are bad and all the ones you make are great.
0: (laughs) So I'm creating resilience in our friendships.
1: Absolutely. That's good to know. So, you know, we're also about public-private partnerships. Of course. Because the center that we run blends the two. And that's really important in the context of public-private partnerships. Where are women in PPPs, right? But we also have a real expert in public-private partnerships.
0: We do. Um, Fatima Zura Ramoun is actually the chairman of the woman in PPP and you know Fatima um, Zura very well.
1: Yes, she and I helped charter uh, the World Association of Public-Private Partnership Units and Professionals and have worked very hard to build that organization. And Fatima has been incredibly important to that organization. She's on the executive committee along with me, and she is the head of, as you said, of the Women in PPP chapter. So I think we couldn't find a more qualified guest to talk about and the interaction. She certainly understands climate adaptation and resilience and She works for the PVP unit in Morocco, and that's a part of what she does. So I think we're going to have a great conversation.
0: And welcome, Fatima.
2: Hi, David. Hi, Tanya.
0: Lovely for you to join us today.
2: First of all, thank you so much for having me on your show, David and Tanya. I'm so delightful to be one of your guests. Oh, thank you. And I'm also happy to be talking about this important subject, about uh, gender equality, about women empowerment, about public public partnership. Because if we are to achieve SDG 5 by 2030, and it's going to take all of us to contribute. Well,
0: let's kick off with uh, the PPP sort of context when we talk about women in decision-making roles and this, that, and the other. What are the metrics? You know, gender parity is important, but we want to know, well, are we on an equal footing at the moment or are we not?
2: answer your question, public-public partnership is an important development tools that governments use to improve access to basic infrastructure services. Mm-hmm. And to ensure equal benefits and economic opportunities for women and men. Uh, We also know that women make up almost half of the world's working age population. We have nearly 5 billion people. And about 50% of these women participate in the workforce compared to 80% of men. We tend lately, especially in 2021, to see more women involvement in senior management roles. Mm Globally, they grew to like 31%. This number was the highest number ever recorded. Mm. We can see also women being like uh, in the top roles, like CEOs and also like uh, managing directors. We can compare them to 2019, they are now around 26%. But in the PPP industry, they are more women as users of the infrastructure mm-hmm. than in the decision making process in both public and private sectors. There are many PPP units globally, but very few are led by women. And uh, at the World Association of PPP Units and Professionals, we are acknowledging the civil role being played by women in PPPs, and they make over a quarter of all our members, almost 30%, and we are also aiming at 50%.
1: That leads me to a question, Fatima. You know me. We try very hard in our organization to ensure as much as possible gender parity, of the team that we have of six people. Two of them are women, but on our advisory board, we have we have almost exact parity between women and men. So we know it's important, but why do you think other people should understand why this is so important in important decision-making roles, but particularly, again, in the PPP world?
2: So the future of our economy, and as you, you stated before, our sustainable planets, it depends on more people participating in it. And much of the past literature has concentrated on the benefits of others. Having both men and women around the table of decision-making diversifies the pool of talents, of perspectives, of needs, Mm -hmm. of competences. And many women have different roles and responsibilities in their communities. And most importantly is that they have different needs regarding the design of this infrastructure. For example, when using public transportation, Women are more likely to combine several tasks in one trip. So they can use many stops. They need to go, for example, to the market, they need to pay their bills, they need to go to a doctor appointment, maybe pick up the kids on their way. So this means that they need to have what we call women-friendly infrastructure.
1: Ah. So
2: first we do need to design women-friendly infrastructure so that it improves women's access, for example. So we can widen uh, the roads to provide cycling and walking tracks for women because they tend to use cheaper form of public transport. So we need to provide them with intermediate transportation like bicycle or cars. We also need, for example, to give them better street lighting mm-hmm. and maybe put more cameras to help them feel safer on the streets at yeah. night because women are all ages, elderly, schoolgirls, Women, when they come back, they used to walk back home and they need to walk back home without fear. The third one is that they need also safety and security inside the public transportation, Mm. which is very, very important. Mm -hmm. So either we need to provide special buses or increase off services, especially on less travel routes, because they need to go to work without harassment and without fear. And finally, yet importantly, is that we need to give them an infrastructure which is affordable. Mm. So here we talk about the fees to be able to do their daily multitask job with a fair price. For example, they can have one ticket for half day, but we need to make sure that user costs do not fall excessively on women. So having this gender parity is important in decision making process of either PPP projects or any other of projects that are dealing with infrastructure and basic services because it is critical to listen to both men and Mm women voices and take some gender specification into account when designing and developing projects and also implementing and evaluating them.
0: What do you think we can do as a society, whether it's in the PPP world or on the government side, the private side, to make sure that more women are in that process in the design and the build of the infrastructure and putting their perspective forward?
2: Very, very good and tricky question. None of us have all the competencies or the resources to do it alone. But as a force, we can do a lot. So, and to respond to your question, I think the first and most important thing is education. I think Mm -hmm. the young girls should be educated from school age Mm -hmm. onwards on gender equality issues and also on the importance of participating in the social and political life of their countries. And also, at the high school and university level, we need to overcome this cultural issue and the stereotypes of female careers. Mm -hmm. Because we know that most of women in their education, they're like, okay, you need to find a job that would not interfere with your main mission, which is getting married, taking care of the kids, of the husband, and of the household. So I think that the best way to do this and to help them is we need the involvement of female role models and Uh senior leaders, they need to come to school, to the universities and to speak and talk to these young women about the willingness, about the commitment, about the discipline in order for them to change these kind of stereotypes and to become future leaders and maybe the future entrepreneurs for other generations coming. I think the second one is a coupé, if I may say that.
0: (laughs) Of course. uh, we, domestic problem. It is
2: vital. It is yeah. vital to implement the principle of, let's say, equal pay for equal work, whether mm-hmm. it's men or women. Absolutely. The
1: Absolutely.
2: I have an example of like Citibank. Every January, they they are making what they call corrections in pay, so that a man and woman in the same role, but in the same geography, are paid identically. So this is their commitment to start mm. having that equality.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. The
2: third one for me is the integration of women-owned businesses in the procurement process. We do have some legal framework where the legislature has provided some incentives in favor of national preferences during the procurement process. This is to encourage what we call small and medium national enterprises. Right. We can do the same for women-owned business, and we can encourage them to participate in the process and put them as one of the priorities in the procurement process. And finally, I wanted to talk to you about it at the end, because for me it's very really important, is the women themselves and the lack of confidence. I don't know, maybe they need to go through training programs, mentoring program, a long life, a learning, but the importance is not only achieving parity, but also ensuring that women move upward to the senior positions. Also for female leaders, Within the organizations, they need to play the role not just for diversity, but also for inclusion. They need to bring those younger women with them into the meeting room, the decision-making meetings, and be their mentors. So I think that if we could start by education, by women having more confidence on themselves, of course, equal pay, more inclusion for uh, women-owned businesses, we can reduce this parity and this gender
0: inequality. Yeah, and I think they're all really practical points. And I think a, a big thing, in my opinion, is you don't want to be a token woman. I mean, don't choose someone that doesn't have the exactly. skills and, and the abilities. And that's when it comes down to the education that you were talking about.
1: It's great that you said that, especially the point about confidence.
0: There's a big discussion, isn't there, Fatima? But I think you've really yes. um, you've summarized it really
2: well. May, and if I may just add one thing, I mean... We are together in this statement. It's not just like we need you and you need us.
1: Absolutely. We need to be together.
2: Because you have your needs and we have our needs on the infrastructure. So we have two voices. We need to respect each other needs and work together. And when you were talking about like women's needs, there are a lot of examples of projects. When they put some consultations with women, yes, they brought up some needs that when they were only men around the table, they were not there. Absolutely. Especially in the transport sector, in sanitation, in agriculture, uh, women tend to think about everyone. Mm -hmm. So uh, more, uh, they think about schools, so when we talk about schools, it means that don't forget to put the speed signs or speed bumps near the schools. So they think for all of us, I don't say that men think for themselves, (laughs) but they think for What they see fits for all, but it doesn't fit for all. And it's true. But women think about things that fit for all.
0: Yeah, and it makes for a more resilient community and for better services for the infrastructure project that's been built. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, this has been a fantastic discussion. So thank you so much for giving of your time. And I'll let you... Close it, Tanya.
0: Oh, I I think, you you know, you've done a really accurate portrayal in a succinct way of what the issues are, but practical steps, because I think a lot of the times when we talk about topics such as this, it gets a bit um, philosophical, but you, you need to be practical about it. And I think that all really makes sense. And... Yeah, I encourage anyone listening to look up that female chapter in, in the WAP initiative.
1: Women in PPPs, yay! <laughs> so thank yes. you. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Fatima. Thank you so much
2: for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Thank you. That was a really in-depth Conversation. So what do you think? What's your response to that?
0: Oh, I, I think uh, Fatima nailed it. And obviously there's, there's deeper ways to go under all those things that she surfaced. But I think what struck me was Fatima was giving ideas of how when women are at the decision-making table in PPP projects, that other things come to rise. And I thought, that's so true. Every time I go to the airport or a shopping centre or an event, there's never enough women bathrooms. Never. <laughs>
1: Never. That's true parody. So, That's true parody. The thing is,
0: women need to be on on the decision making of that immediately.
1: <laughs> well, the thing that I took away from that is what I already knew that women add a dimension that is absolutely necessary and that men are too dumb to figure out. I mean, it's that simple. It is that simple. It is that simple. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, catch you next time.
1: Catch you next time.
0: Thanks for listening. To join the conversation, please connect with us through the ISRC or the WAPPP websites or through LinkedIn at Tanya Ellen or David Dodd. Catch you later.